One purchased, one donated. That's the promise of Bombas, whose incredibly comfy socks, tees, and underwear go not only to you when you buy them, but also to people facing homelessness. So when you put on that buttery soft tea or realize you've developed a habit of reaching for Bomba socks, which I do, over every other pair in the drawer, you'll know that someone in need is having that same feeling. Ready to get comfy and give back? Head over to bombas.com slash hard things and use code hard things for 20% off your first purchase. There have been so many guests on the podcast that I wish we could have gotten more one-on-one time with. Because when you really get to sit down and have that intimate experience, you learn so much more. And that's why we love our longtime partner, Masterclass. Because where else are you going to get one-on-one time with RuPaul? Teaching you how to be your most authentic self as if among friends. And if you were as fascinated as I was after Natalie Portman joined the show, maybe you wanted to go deeper. And her acting class on Masterclass lets you do just that. With their set of 180-plus world-class instructors, you're in good hands when you decide to set out on your next learning adventure. Plus, if it's not for you, they have a 30-day money-back guarantee. My favorite. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash hard things. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash hard things. Masterclass.com slash hard things. Welcome to We Can Do Hard Things. Today is a special episode with two of our favorite sisters in the entire world. We've got four sisters on for you today, two of whom are Amanda and I. The other two are Adrian Marie Brown and Autumn Brown. Adrian Marie Brown grows healing ideas in public through writing, music, and podcasts. Nurturing emergent strategy, pleasure activism, radical imagination, and transformative justice. Adrian's work is informed by 25 years of social and environmental justice facilitation, primarily supporting Black liberation. Adrian is the author and editor of Emergent Strategy Shaping Change, Changing Worlds, Pleasure Activism, The Politics of Feeling Good, Grievers, and Maroons. Autumn Brown is a mother, organizer, theologian, and artist with 20 years of experience facilitating movement strategy and strategic development with community-based and social justice organizations. She grounds her work in healing from the trauma of oppression. She was a founding member of the Rock Dove Collective, a radical community health exchange, a past president of the board of directors of Voices for Racial Justice, and is currently a facilitator with Aorta. Together, Adrian and Autumn co-host the excellent podcast, How to Survive the End of the World. If you haven't listened to our first We Can Do Hard Things conversation, which everyone freaked out about, with Adrian, please go back to episode 239, Why Are We Never Satisfied? And now we give you the hilarious, the beautiful, the uh, two who are just truly rooted in joy. And love, Adrian and Autumn. Here we are. I feel so humbled. Mm. Wait, I'm so geeked out that y'all are meeting Autumn Brown. Um, I don't know if you know this, 
but last week was her 40th birthday. So she not only turned 40, but she released the first single off of her new album, which is incredible. And she released a music video because that's how a Sagittarian turns 40. <laughs> Oh, of course. It's did. true. I do believe it might be the most Sagittarian thing I've ever done. Yeah. She had a release party as her birthday party with her mm-hmm. sweetheart there who had just met her kids. It was just brilliant, beautiful, intentional. Mm. Awesome. So y'all are yeah. meeting her in like this peak moment oh, of life man. that is unfolding during the apocalypse. It's amazing. Yeah, that's right. It feels to me that you live on many peaks though. It feels like you're always doing a million trillion things. It just doesn't surprise me that this just happened at all. I know that you think I don't know you, but I, I do. <laughs> Very old friends. Oh, Autumn, the times we've cried together. The times we've walked together. The relationships we've had. Y'all have a lot in common because you both have had what I call real marriages. Like bad ones with men that were like- Real marriages. <laughs> Real marriages as opposed to non-marriages. And then leaving that, realizing your queerness, leaning into a queer life Mm. and making art from that place. Yeah, Mm -hmm. there's a lot there. I was thinking about that coming in, knowing that we're both divorcees. (laughs) What do I feel like I can say now? And Amanda, you're a divorcee also. Yeah, but I like wasn't as creative as y'all. And I just married another man. (laughs) I think think there's nothing wrong with moving. There's a lot of mandating happening in this circle these days. I'll just say. Yeah. Yeah. My new sweetheart, the person that I'm currently deeply in love with is a cis man. So. And he's okay. He's great. One of the things that's been really beautiful about this latest, this newest love relationship that I'm in is I'm so sorry one of my children is calling me and why don't you, the three is it, of you, who is it? Yes. Which one? It's Maraid. And I'm Aww. just going to try texting okay. her and telling her. To P- please. Her. How old are her babies? I don't know. This. So this one who's calling now is 10 going on 45. Okay. She is like a suburban mom as oh. a child somehow. It's amazing. She wears high-waisted jeans. She's got things <laughs> and, she, and all of these are decisions she's making for herself. Mm-hmm. Is she um, on the HOA board? She would like to be. She would like to be. The list of things that she wants for gifts right now is like a very specific list of facial care, like a facial care (laughs) protocol that I've never had a protocol anywhere Mm -hmm. close to this. And she said, I only want these things. Oh my God. So don't get like the knockoff Mm -mm. face washing Uh pads. Heart-shaped ones. I think that's smart to call that out though, because- when yeah. my sister and I were little, all we wanted in the whole world was Cabbage Patch Kids. I don't know if you guys remember these oh, things. Oh, I remember that. Okay. You wanted those. Yeah, that that was like all, I was of that <laughs> age. Just one Christmas, that's all we wanted. And then so we got our Cabbage Patch Kids and they were like homemade Cabbage Patch Kids. They yeah. weren't Cabbage Patch Kids. They were homemade, like soft face. Yeah. The whole idea is it's supposed to hurt if you hit someone with it. Yes. And you're not going to take your homemade Couch Patch kid to school and say, here's his fake birth certificate. But here's the thing about that. It is actually interesting. Like we didn't have much money. I get it. Yes. But also there's a little bit of like family dynamics because it's like, so y'all going to be the ones to say that this isn't a Cabbage Patch Kid? Because we're all here and know this isn't a Cabbage Patch Kid. But we're going to have to perform 
They did have to perform. He's a cabbage patch kid and act as excited. And we did. Oh, and we tender. sure did because we sure were not going to do did. that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So it's Beautiful. there's something interesting there. Because there is like a gratitude practice, right? There's mm-hmm. some kind of gratitude where it's like, if you really unwind it and think about the love that your parent was mm-hmm. trying to show you within the limitations mm-hmm. of their economy. I think as kids, we have this like internal thing of like, I don't want to hurt your feelings or at least generationally. I don't know if that's still the case, but I feel like, there was this thing of like, I don't want to hurt your feelings and I'm receiving the thing. But I do also remember a certain age and recognizing, oh, this is privilege. <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this is privilege. Like the fact that I say I want something even mm-hmm. is privilege mm-hmm. yeah. as opposed yeah. to just being yeah. like, if someone gives me a gift, I should just be like, that's so nice of you. You totally didn't have to do that. Thank you. But like now we've normalized the culture such that there's an expectation of like, of course, you're going to get me gifts on these five days throughout the year. And here's exactly what you're going to get me. That's just a sign of where we live and the time we live in. Like, yeah. And it's compulsory. It's not not a gift at all. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of holidays, I was listening to one of your many episodes that I've listened to and you two were talking about family holidays. And I think I heard Adrian say that you, your family holidays used to always end in an explosion. Yes. And I bet a lot of folks can very much relate to that. Mm. And so many people are trying to figure out how to do the holidays different, which when you think about it is really just how to do family different. Yes. Just how to do mm-hmm. family. Why are mm-hmm. holidays so hard? I don't know. What's the common denominator? Why is family so hard? <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm around you people. Yeah. So yeah. you guys actually found a way to make holidays different, which means you must have found a way to make family different. What I find so fascinating about you two is that you just, what you do is what you do everywhere. You're doing this love, liberation, justice work all the time in in every avenue of your life, which means that (laughs) family, which for a lot of us is a frontier of struggle for you It's the spark for all of our struggles. Okay. It's like the starting ground the particular struggles that most of us are going to experience in our lives starts in our familial space, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like all the norms that were set, all the insecurities that our parents had, all their limitations, that's the structure inside of which family is happening. And which mm-hmm. also means all of their parents' limitations and all the economic crisis of their time and what, you know, diet culture was normal. So you and I are surviving eating disorders. Mm-hmm all of those things create the family dynamic. And Mm. I get astounded regularly when I think about how young my parents were trying to generate something new in the world, which was a family that was coming from two different cultures, two different races, two different places in the deep South. And I'm like, Mm. oh, y'all were 21 and 23 deciding to try to create something that you had not seen before. So the limitations of that experience for us are like, what were you deciding to do as a 22 year old mom or as a 26 year old dad or a 34 year old, you know, all these are ages that are far behind us now. Mm -hmm. And I'm just now figuring out how to live inside my own values. (laughs) If someone had asked me to do that 20 years ago, I have no idea what kind of person I would have generated in the world, but it probably would have had a little monster in there. And, and then we go back and we get together every so often to be like, 
how are we doing? <laughs> but I think in our family, there's a blessing because our parents were intentionally like, there's some stuff that we don't want to replicate mm. as we create this new space. So we didn't grow up a- around a lot of our extended family. When we were younger, we were really in a little unit of five, that unit of five that was like, we're traveling around together. And so the issues we have are really shaped by that. I think we've all been as adults learning, like, how do you sustain relationships longer than two years? Mm-hmm. And how do you build friendships that can last a long time? Mm-hmm. And then I think from what we've learned, that's what we've come back and brought into our family space. And I will say, I think we're doing really well. Like, it's not that stuff still doesn't come up, but I feel like now we have much more built-in sense of practice and repair, like being like, oh, even if stuff gets tense, we're like, okay, but we know we we know how to find our way back to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, we have like a regular practice with the sisters of doing a sister check-in. And then we have a regular weekly, like, not meeting, but like a weekly gathering of of the five of us with kids and and spouses or whoever else is around who wants to plug in, um, that that started during the pandemic and the sister check-in we've been doing maybe a decade or more now. Mm-hmm. What does that look about. like? What do you do? What's a sister check-in? So this is something, this is actually a practice that we evolved in direct response to the explosions. Yeah. Mm. So Adrian and I have a sister in between us, April, yeah. and we noticed that you know, within 24 to 48 hours of getting home together, we would end up in a brawl emotionally. Mm-hmm. A very passive aggressive brawl. Ah. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes it was like moving things around and being like mad. <laughs> you tended to be more passive aggressive, but April and I would scream at each other. Yeah. Ah, You're okay. the oldest. Ah, so everyone has their own You're... roles. Okay. Oh, so- yeah. Oh, so yeah. you and That's April, right. you go yeah. at it, but Ad- Adrian, Adrian's like, not going to yell at anybody. Mm-hmm. That's not her style of conflict. I will yell. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're um, good at it. And April will just say very mean things. Mm-hmm. So it's like. <laughs> she's, she remains in control of herself, but she's like, I shall she's exhibit. Like, oh, yes. Vicious. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yes. I can think of any number of those explosive moments where all of us are feeling victimized inside yeah. of the conversation. Oh, Everyone yeah. is feeling misunderstood. Unseen. Everyone is feeling hurt, mm-hmm. unseen. And, and that's what we figured out, that the explosions were happening because we felt like the most important things that were happening in our lives were not visible to one another. Mm-hmm. And of course, wow. a family like ours, a very global family where, as Adrian named, we grew up moving around as a pod of five. And then as we moved into adulthood, you know, we sometimes live continents away from each other. Mm -hmm. And so there's a pressurization that can happen around our family time because of how far apart in the world we live. So that was a contributor, the pressurization, the the need for it to go well. Mm, Yes. Our mom's need for it to go well. You know, (laughs) so all all of it, our dad's sort of cluelessness about it not going well. (laughs) All of of the dynamics. It's been a great time, y'all. It's been a great time. Like we're together, we're all alive. What's wrong? You know, and then what would happen, the explosion would be followed by tears and catharsis, Mm -hmm. but then it would be draining and exhausting and leave a bad taste in everyone's mouth around the holidays. And so at some point, a little over a decade ago, we had the idea to have this intervention of let's make sure that the sisters, at least the three of us 
within the first 24 hours of being in family space that we get into a room together and close the door. And at first we said we would set a timer and have a rule. It was like the most three most important things that have happened in your life since we all saw each other last. And no more than 30 minutes. Oftentimes we would go way over, but we tried to keep it kind of contained. Yeah. And it was incredible the difference it made in our experience of one another because suddenly things that were feeling so the invisibleness that I'm feeling that feels so personal to me is like, oh, 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 of course. The way you're behaving is not about me. It's never about me. You know, I mean, it's the truth of being a human, right? Which is that someone else's terrible behavior (laughs) or difficult behavior or negative behavior or whatever word we want to ascribe to it is almost never actually about us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's hardest to see with family, I think. Yeah. yeah. Which is why I think Adrian and I are both of the mind that family, it's such an excellent dojo for practicing a different way of being because yeah. all of whatever patterns I'm trying to heal in myself are all right there available to me as soon as I'm with my family. Mm-hmm. Whether I want to be working on that healing or not. That's right. And now, now we're all at ages where we can kind of be like, I don't think I want to work on that this year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like that. Hey, that yeah. uh, I also think it's like everything shows up right away with family. Mm-hmm. I also think family is like, I don't care about your mantras. I don't care about your talking points. <laughs> I don't care about the story you're telling everyone about what you're doing. I know you. Yeah. And so either you have changed and I can feel that or you haven't. And I know how to push your buttons. We started doing that as sisters and we still do that as sisters and the whole family knows the value of it. So they actually support us. It's like, hey, y'all, we have to do the sister check-in because it's going to impact everyone here's experience. Cool. Cool. And so everyone like is like, they're on the porch. Don't interrupt them. They're doing their sister thing. Mm. Like they, everyone <laughs> makes a really big deal. And like, we have our little tea, our little coffee. It's very important that no one can hear us. We leave our phones far away from us. So that it's just like no distractions. We're really just being present with each Mm. other. And then I think now that we added the family practice on during the pandemic, what I'm finding is it's making it easier to have hard conversations Mm. because we have a practice of being in conversation with each other. So, you know, as the pandemic was unfolding, it was like, we need to have hard conversations about how everyone's holding these boundaries around COVID-19 and Mm hard conversations around masking and vaccines and travel. Are we going to the theaters, not going to the theaters? Are we traveling? Are we not traveling? And we got the reps in Mm -hmm. and it's so helpful now because it's like, okay, there's this situation going on in Gaza and we actually have a family practice that allows us to get on the phone with each other and say, we're going to spend two hours and we're going to talk about this. And we have different perspectives Mm -hmm. and like small things, but like, I really appreciate that my dad, for instance, if I interrupt him, which I might do because I get, you know, in my feelings, I'm like, I already know everything you're going to say. And he'll pause me and be like, if I can finish what I was saying. Mm -hmm. And that is like a cue to me that I'm like, I'm not hearing him. I may think I know what he's saying, but that doesn't mean he doesn't get the right to say it. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean I actually do know. And like, let me slow it down. Let me hear him. um, And then be able to come back from a place of, not like I'm trying to correct you or fix you, mm-hmm. but just like you are telling me where you're at. Let me tell you where I'm at. And we're not going to resolve this in our family. 
it's not resolved in the world. So we're not going to resolve it here. Right. But we can get more information. We can get more in alignment around this in such a way that Mm -hmm. like, I feel no shame about where anyone in my family is sitting on this, right? Mm -hmm. Because we've talked it through. I understand. And I can feel the humanity of each person inside Mm -hmm. of it. And then I feel supported in the actions that I'm taking or the risks that I'm taking. I feel like I'm out here being like a loud voice of ceasefire. And I know that my family is like at my back, like, we love you. We understand that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I look over and I'm like, oh, there you are, Autumn, like ceasefire Mm -hmm. on your, you know, things like that, I think matter so much in in these moments where I have so many friends who are like, I'm fighting it out in the world and I'm trying to fight it at home and I'm trying to fight it with my friends and with my funders. And it's like, well, where do you feel flanked? Like, mm-hmm. where do you actually get to take a position and, and be a human being in it? Mm-hmm. Where do you feel flanked? That's yeah, beautiful. That's a good damn question. Yeah. My family has the first experience of flanking, but my sisters, like when I came out as queer, my sisters like were like, we are here on either side of you. And if our grandparents are not going to let you come visit and bring your partner, then they will not be visited by us either. Like mm-hmm. they did not go. They didn't take the kids. They would not go until I was welcome. That's I'm like flanked. Mm. Right. And no questions asked. Yeah. Not it, even a hard decision. It's like yeah. so mm-hmm. wild that we usually don't do the things we know to do out in the world with our family. Like what yeah, you're talking yeah. about. So you're saying people need to feel seen before they can hang out. Like Oh, like <laughs> some revolutionary you know shit, that. y'all. Like, you know yeah, that. But, <laughs> but it's but it's ironic it's that so, family's the only place. We don't do that. that. We're like, we know that's best practice. Everybody agrees. But you can't bring that shit to your family. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, I think there's an interesting dynamic where I think we've certainly noticed this and we've navigated it in our family. I navigate it in my family that I'm, you know, now guiding. It's the balance of family is a safe place to dissolve and come apart. With my children, I want them to know that I am a safe place for them to have some level of dissolving and coming apart, particularly if they have places in their lives where they feel like they have to be really armored up. And that can get out of balance because it's one part of our coping and healing. Mm-hmm. But I feel like as we get older, as we become more adult, as we become more responsible for our own selves, then we build the resilience to be able to dissolve and come back and dissolve and come back. And I think part of what can happen in some families is that the family system itself doesn't build the resilience around that kind of like dissolving, reforming, dissolving, reforming. So then people come together and they just, mm. they come apart and they don't feel responsible for their behavior. Mm. Ah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. if I know if I don't feel like I'm responsible for how I behave with my siblings or with my parents and it sort of feels like yeah, anything's anything kind of goes in this in, I'll, then I'll do things in that environment that I would never do with friends or with yeah. colleagues. I That's love that. So true. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. It's true. You don't go somewhere new and exotic just to be there. You go to do things, be it a historical walking tour, ziplining through the trees, or guided tours through museums. 
like the hassle-free self-guided audio tour our family took through Versailles. If you're planning a trip and really want to make the most out of your time, I recommend you check out Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences from simple tours to extreme adventures. And there's something for everyone in over 190 countries. Thrill rides, spooky ghost tours, secret food guides, exploration off the beaten path. It's all there, along with millions of real traveler reviews, 24-7 customer service, various payment options, and flexibility and support with free cancellation. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Okay, I have a surprise to tell you, honey. I booked us an Airbnb at the Thousand Islands with more space and privacy. And we get to opt into my family. So near family, but not with family. Yes. You solved family near, but not with. (laughs) Thank you, Airbnb. (laughs) It's so exciting. Have you ever thought about renting your place out? Like when you go away like that? Yeah, I have. There's some big events coming up in LA in the near future that I'm very excited that possibly we're going to do that for sure. When you really think about it, babe, it really is the perfect way to make some extra money when we're away from LA. When you're just living somewhere, it's easy to forget that the place you live in is actually a travel destination others want to visit. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Airbnb.com slash host. Sister, you should rent your house too. Do your parents get real and show up? If you're not talking about issues, like if you're not talking about Gaza, but you're yeah. talking about your own personal lives. Do yeah. they bring their full selves to you like you do as sisters? I feel like they do. Our parents are Southern people. So I do think there's a certain degree of what is the right time and place sure. for conversations to happen. But when it's just us, I can really feel them and I'm not sure when this shift happened. Maybe Autumn, you have a sense of it. I really feel like there's been a shift such that our parents now are really like, we're learning from y'all. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of times they will come to us with something that's like, what do you think about this? Or like, here's something that's going on. And like, I'm not sure what to do about it, but it feels like they'll turn because they know that we have opinions, but also I think they know that we are working on this stuff. Like we're Mm -hmm. working on Mm -hmm. doing our own healing work around our bodies. We're working on figuring out how to have justice in our workplaces. We're working on these things. And so like we, there was recently a conversation that was around body image and body safety. And for me, I'm like, okay, I'm working on this eating disorder stuff. And it's an opportunity to come into the conversation and let them be curious. I noticed that they were able to say like, I'm feeling some, I'm feeling kind of triggered. Oh. You know, they're like, like, you know, <laughs> like, like, right. Is that the word you crazy like, kids say? Yeah. Triggered? What do y'all say? But like, I'm feeling like it's hard for me to be in this conversation and here's why it's hard. Wow. And that's I was like, big. this is huge, right? This is huge because in the past, I think what happened and what mostly happens amongst humans is it's hard to be in the conversation and we don't say it's hard to be in the conversation. It just shows up that we are struggling and, and we're trying to get ourselves out. We're like, how do I, you know, 
finish this or shut mm-hmm. it down. So a lot of times I'll be like, you know what? I'm not talking about this anymore mm-hmm. or I'm leaving or whatever. Except, throwing daggers. Exactly. Right. <laughs> and then what we're waiting for after that is for the other person to figure out how wrong they were yeah. and come and apologize correctly about all the wrong things. Mm-hmm. And then we will re-engage and we never get that and life goes on and people die and we miss them. Mm -hmm. And I think that for us, the idea is, oh, in this moment, while this person's still alive, we're having a hard time talking about something and we can say, why? Why? Oh, because we all created some of these fucked up conditions for our bodies together. (laughs) In our family, it's like, none of us are innocent here. Like if I have an eating disorder, I was in an eating disordered family structure, right? That we all are having to unlearn diet culture. We all are having to unlearn fat phobia. It's not like I will just go off and do that by myself and return and like be this, you know, fundamentally different creature. I also think there's something about the growing up, the idea that we're all growing, which for me is really helpful. And my parents, I'm like, oh, you're still growing. And I feel like maybe Mm -hmm. sometime after college that clicked for me that I'm like, oh, you're not, completed. Mm-hmm. I grew up in, I grew up like, you're done. You're my mom. Like you're done. You are yes! doing, you're finished. You're, this is what you're doing. And you should be better. And, Cause you're, and you should up. be better. <laughs> Why are we talking about this? You're an adult. And now it's like, Oh, you're going to keep changing. There's still until the up. last moment. And I'm going to keep changing until the last moment and getting our parents to see us as adults and be like, Oh, y'all are grownups still changing, but you're not the kids you were you have grown up issues and we're going to have grown up conversations mm-hmm. like that to me has felt like such a revelation. And I think collectively building the wisdom within our family to know that we all might also be wrong about most things that we think and believe. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know, <laughs> and it's so easy as the younger generation, I think in some ways me having children and then my children aging into their teenage years, it's been one of the the places where I can see it with the greatest ease. You know, it's easy as the teenager becoming an adult, becoming middle-aged person to be able to really believe I'm right about the things that I'm right about. And my parents are, you know, they, they did the best that they could for the time period that they lived in, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, <laughs> and then... <laughs> But I'm here knowing the actual facts and truth. And then my children are coming along and they're knowing their actual facts and truth. And I'm like, oh, 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 you know, trying to expand and, and make sure that my mind is flexible enough that I can keep up with the things that are now becoming true that I couldn't have foreseen because it's so far beyond the horizon that I can see. You know, and then that wise mind, trying to develop the wise mind of just knowing, yeah, I might be wrong about almost everything. Mm -hmm. So then if most of the things that I think I'm right about are just, it's not knowable to me, then I have to get really focused on my values, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have to be really focused on my values and my purpose and what motivates the way that I behave. Values. For me, it feels like it's a, it's like a step behind what I speak into the world. Yes. You know? Mm -hmm. Yes. I feel that too, Autumn. I feel like I'm always just writing. I feel like I'm my own self-help author. (laughs) Like I'm writing it. And then I'm like, I'm trying to do that. Right. Yeah. (laughs) 
the no. smartest version of me. All the time. Yeah. I'm actually like, <laughs> I'm working right now with people who are like, you know, that book you wrote, Emergent Strategy, we're going to use it. We're going to use it. Okay. Like what does you? that mean? Like, yeah, oh, they're like, we're going to use it. Like we're going to budget with it. And we're, uh, cause I was like, I need to, for instance, I was like, I need to stop this war right now. Like we need to do something big. <laughs> they're like, but small is all. And oh, you know that that's how change happens oh, is yeah. relationships. Mm-hmm. And you know that you have to create more possibility. They're just like, we're going to use it. Like what is the most effective thing you can do that's at the scale of your actual existence? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you're like, that sounds okay. really smart. Okay. No, this is really helpful ideas, right? <laughs> it's really helpful. This is great. And then bringing that into family where it's like my sister, you know, you talk about fugitivity and I'm just like, oh yeah, we are living in a family of people living in the South with mm-hmm. white family that are still struggling with race, struggling with Mm -hmm. (laughs) like what it actually means to be a white person. And I'm like, oh yeah, Autumn is writing the text that is going to liberate (laughs) Mm. our family that was also learned in part from living in our family. Oh, okay. I have a question for you, Autumn, about that then. Mm -hmm. I was trying to explain to my sister, how am I going to ask this question? Okay. So I, (laughs) good luck, sissy. Good luck. Good luck, sissy. Okay. (laughs) We all believe in you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Okay. So I heard you on a podcast long ago talking about um, how when you were young, everyone would say, what are you? What are you? What are you? So they could figure out all the things, how to treat you, (laughs) where to to set you up in their mind's hierarchy, which is how I feel about gender completely. So you said that you used to just start saying white mom, black dad. Right. Mom, white, white, dad, black. Mom, white, dad, black. Mom, (laughs) white, dad, black. Okay. So when you said that, I, I just can't stop thinking about it because my children are mixed race. Yeah. And my son is not white presenting at all. He's Japanese. And he just is in a new world of figuring out who he is. And it took him to get to college to where now he's like, oh, these are my people. This is who I am. You didn't teach me shit. I actually don't know you. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Talk about thinking. I feel like I'm between generations. Yes. I spend most of my day looking one way and saying, why didn't you do better to my parents? Then looking the other way to my kids and saying, I did the best I can. Just can you please just relax? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And not seeing the irony. Okay. <laughs> but right now you see it. Right. right. I do. I do. Actually, it's just in the you're moment. Like, I can actually see it. But in the moment when they say something to you. Because it's devastating. It's devastating. Nothing helps you forgive yeah. your parents more than watching them grow up behind you and you're going, oh my God, you really do just do the best you can in the moment you're in and we know we don't know shit. My question is this, what does it mean? Because now I understand right now that I am not just my children's mom. I am my children's white mom. And by the way, just PS, like I'm my children's white anorexic recovering mom. So I'm like- Ooh. Whiteness mm-hmm. is like, yeah. <laughs> looking real white over there, Doyle. Real white. I won. I won white woman. Yeah. You're like, I'm all the way up. I'm Okay. <laughs> so they gave me a challenge and I I'm fucking dead. nailed it. <laughs> I like, almost I... died. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, wow. I just know that there is so much in my babies that is from being 
a mom white from being a of whiteness yeah. that they're un yeah. that they're unlearning. So like, what yeah. does it mean to have a mom white? <laughs> a mom white. A mom white. Yo, yo. I. It's such a beautiful question. Thank you for asking that question. As Adrian referenced, I have been doing a lot of work around the political concept of fugitive practice or the the notion of in order to practice freedom or that we can practice freedom as a temporal state that we can create in even inside of unfree conditions. And mm -hmm. so much of it is about finding inside of ourselves the places where we feel safe Inside of white supremacy, capitalism, patriarchy, et cetera, et cetera, we feel safe through compliance or we achieve a sense of a false sense of safety through compliance with the forms and norms. It's helped me sort of, I guess, re-express to myself something that I have held very true my whole life related to my mom white, um, which is that if I truly don't believe that white supremacy should shape the world, I have to be able to release all of the lies associated with white supremacy, including the way that resisting white supremacy might make me want to um, reject her mm. or would make me think that in order to find my dignity and ground, it has to come at the expense mm. of hers. Mm. And it's, it's very complex. Mm -hmm. It's very complex the ways that we all get pitted against each other. And then as I've, as I've started to see over time that the world definitely wants me for whatever set of reasons to reject my mother, mm. but my mother would never reject me. My mother has always been, and this is not the case for, you know, many, many people with our racial identity have white parents who did not protect them. Mm. We are very in the lucky position of having a badass white mom. I have so many memories of this woman walking up into schools that I attended and having direct confrontations with teachers, particularly over race. Yes. She would come into school and she would say, you do not get to tell my child anything about her racial identity. Mm. She is the only person who gets to decide what language she uses for her racial identity, and you will not say a word to her about it. That's not your job. Your only job is to teach her math. Mm. Period. So <laughs> she, she never hesitated to protect my dignity. Mm. Now I'm an adult, and I've had to ask myself, oh, would I hesitate to protect her dignity? What do my politics actually require of me? As I evolve in my understanding of this massive collective lie that we are like constantly navigating together, surviving together, and many of our adaptations for survival make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And I have so much gentleness, compassion for myself and for everyone living under late stage racial capitalism for the ways that we have mm -hmm. <laughs> adapted to survive it. And yet... It's, you know, as you were naming Adrian with the emergent strategy concepts, if, if I do believe that small is all, if I do believe that everything important is going to happen inside of relationship, mm -hmm. then I have to take seriously that how I orient to my mom white and to my dad black, you know, how I orient to them as individuals who are like worthy of inherent dignity and freedom themselves 
that will matter, even if it doesn't make like immediate obvious sense to me, or it doesn't feel mm-hmm. like there's immediate obvious impact, yeah. you know? So it's been deep as we've, as we've navigated conversations as a family, because I, you know, I have mixed race kids who also, two of my children really present as white and one doesn't. I have that too. So that's a dynamic too. As we've been navigating their unfolding childhood, I've brought the same sensibility that my mom brought to me, which is I'm really encouraging and creating the conditions for my kids to self-define, protecting their room to self-define, even though it actually, I mean, I have so much compassion for her now because creating room for them to self-define means that they're going to self-define in ways that I don't necessarily feel comfortable with. So it's pre- it's pressing on my edges and then I have to say, okay, well, what, again, what do I mean when I say freedom? Oh, listen, that is so correct. Yeah. What does freedom mean? I mean freedom my way. It reminds me of Abby when our kid dresses totally butch and she's like, freedom. And then my kid puts on some femme shit and Abby's like, she's just like totally listening to the patriarchy. I'm like, I think freedom. (laughs) I think that also might be I think we have to support all of it. Mm -hmm. Well, Mm -hmm. but I do think that there's this also thing of phase. I think the only thing I want to add, Autumn, because I feel like you really captured this beautifully maybe two things. One is there's this non-monolithic aspect. Like for me, I'm like, I don't want to be set in a group and dismissed because someone has externally defined something about me. And so they have decided, oh, you're that. Boom. Anytime I'm fighting against racism, against transphobia, Islam, any of it, I'm like, that is the fundamental behavior that that is mm. most harmful to us mm. is being like, I have decided externally who you are and I d- dismiss your humanity because of that. And so I'm like, I don't do that to anyone. If I don't like you, it's specific to you. Nice. <laughs> if I, you know, nice. like it's specific to, to, I got, I know enough. I listened to what you said and I don't like it. <laughs> And it makes it no, no, no. I'm sure I don't like you. Yeah, I can tell you all the reasons why, even if you're curious. Exactly, exactly, right. (laughs) And part of that is because I'm like I've grown up around Republicans. I've grown up around people who are conservative. I've grown up around gun-toting people. I've grown up around farmers. I've grown up around people who were way under the poverty line. I've grown up around all the different kinds of people. And what I have elitist Democrats don't forget those, and Mm -hmm. and so many elitist Democrats. And what I have found across the board is there's a goodness of heart in people that doesn't fit into a lot of these things and is not visible unnecessarily Mm -hmm. on the surface. And Mm -hmm. there is an evilness of spirit that is also not visible in those Mm -hmm. ways. And what I'm curious about is is that part of us that I think is beyond socialization. I think each of us has a part of us that is beyond socialization, Mm -hmm. which is how our parents found each other and fell in love because they both came into circumstances where everything around them said that their lives were going to be a certain kind of life. There was a certain path. There was a certain kind of person they were going to marry. It was all predefined and neither of them felt that that made any sense for them. And when they found each other, it was like, you make sense to me. And what we're going to create will make sense to us. Mm -hmm. And our little weird family makes a ton of sense to everyone who's in it. And it's love-based. So that means that every friend that we've had over the years of every kind of background, all the partners we've had, everyone who has come around, like love has been the primary experience that they have received from interacting with our family. And that to me is... mm, 
that's where I'm like, my deep respect for my parents is rooted in that, where I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know how you got there, but it gives me faith in humanity that you got there. And now you get to keep growing. Like the fundamental quality that my parents have, both of them have, mom white, dad black, is a deep curiosity. That they're yes. like, I'm so curious about who you are. And when I came out to my mom, she was like, and what was that like? <laughs> you know, like it wasn't like, you know, they, there was no surprise. She wasn't surprised. My dad also wasn't, he was like, well, I knew that one time when you went to go to New Year's Eve with that person. And I was like, that's when you knew? Why didn't you tell me? Somebody I've been tell me. Doing all this stuff. Anyway, but they're both <laughs> fundamentally curious, both about themselves. And, you know, for my dad in his Black Southern family to watch him and his Black Southern family is so magnificent. Like he's so curious with each person about mm-hmm. what they're experiencing and how he can support them, how he can help them. And my mom with her family, and it's challenging. I would say the most the most challenging place in our familial structure is actually our white family in terms of how we relate to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like we're in a tender moment right now where we're my parents have moved back south and we're slowly reconnecting. Mm-hmm. And I think the emphasis is on the slowness. For a long time, I was like, I don't have to do this. I will pull all the way back and I will never talk to y'all again. And I'll be, I will be okay with it. I'm, you know, I'm sad that it went this way, but you had all this time to know that I was a black person and to choose something different. And you still voted for Trump and I just can't deal with you. Right. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, okay, I still might have to make that choice. Mm -hmm. You know, every time we interact, I'm like, this may be it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but Mm -hmm. One of the things that's most interesting to me is I can feel how much these people love me Mm. and I don't know what to do with that. I'm like, I don't understand how you are sitting here looking at me and I can feel the authenticity of love that is in you. Even as I know in the next moment, you might say something that is highly offensive and that part of humanity befuddles me that I'm like, I, I don't understand it. And because I don't, I don't have a whole framework for it. You know, maybe someone does, but to me, that keeps me curious about humanity also Mm. that I'm like, I think socialization makes us say things, Mm. but I'm really interested in getting under that to the part of us that feels things. And I think the part of us that feels things is the part that we'll be able to knit together and move forward together as a species, as the structures of socialization fall apart. That's how my therapist told me to think about you know, when we talk about our kids and what we probably did that wasn't, and we thought we were right. And, yes. but then they're going to have a different, and I used to obsess about what is he going to think about this thing? Or what does he think mm. about what I think about this? What do yeah. they think about my stance about this? And my yeah. therapist just said, could we just, let's for a second, stop talking about what they think of you. What would you say, say they feel about you? Yes. How do yeah. they feel about you, Glennon? Do you think they feel loved? Do you think they feel safe? Yeah. Do you think they feel cared for? And that, like, it just helped me so much because I don't yeah. know what the hell they think of me. I can't right. figure it yeah. out. But they don't either. They don't either. But I think I can say like what the they feel. Family is not a social media app. Right. <laughs> which also helps me is I'm like, oh, I'm not trying to perform something mm-hmm. or pre- present something to keep myself from being canceled as a human. In mm-hmm. my familial space, I'm being. In all of my relationships, I'm being, 
you know, every day I think maybe I'll get off of social media and just spend the rest of my life just being, because I'm like in that space, it feels like people are constantly like, well, what do you think about who you are? And are you real? And are you good enough? And are you this enough and that enough? And I'm like, I don't know, but I do know that when I get off of this space, <laughs> what I find myself doing is singing to children, playing games with my friends, doing organizing that I really care about, writing stories that I really care about, and being in real relationships with real humans, all of whom have a multitude of stories and lineages mm-hmm. that are flowing mm-hmm. in and through them. And I think that's how we get to the other side of the painful impacts of all these constructs. Because I'm like, these things were done to us. These things were done to us very strategically. Like it's so smart to, to be able to create a condition where someone thinks they have to turn against their mother. And like yes. Disney kills off all the moms, you know? Mm-hmm. Like there's something really structural about the way our society <laughs> tells the story of a parent, that it's like a parent yeah. is something you have to survive and get rid of. As opposed to in so many other places I've traveled to, it's like your parent, your elders, your ancestors, you honor them, you respect yeah. them, you listen to them. You don't follow every single thing that they say. You you challenge them, you're in relationship, but it's a relationship of like, oh my God, you gave me everything and I want to give you everything for the rest of my life. And I think that that feels more righteous to me mm. than this other way where it's like, oh, I can't wait to be done with you. And, right. you know, this is the other thing I've been telling Autumn's kids who I text, text with. So I'm like, we cancel bad ideas. We don't cancel people. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times the people who are older than us were socialized by really bad ideas, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that they're bad people and we don't give up on them and you can't save yeah. everyone. But I'm like, there are a couple of my uncles that I'm like, I do want to pull you further along <laughs> on this path. And I will keep looking for the openings that help yeah. you to see that you're out of alignment with your own humanity and your own relationship to God. And maybe I'm also out of alignment in some way. Like, do I really know how to plant anything? You know, one of my uncles is like <laughs> such an amazing gardener and planter. And I'm like, I would want to be near him when the apocalypse hits because he really knows how to make food. He'd keep you alive. He's going to keep me alive. This is how he's how also survived you the end of the world. Day. <laughs> <with> every meal. <laughs> You know, but I'm like, but, but I think he could also call me on. He's like, you love to talk all this stuff, but do you actually know how to grow some collard greens? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, you know, growing collard greens is a little triggering for me because of what your ancestors did to mine. But, you know, to me, like being able to have a sense of like, we can talk about reality. What our ancestors did to us. Oh yeah, exactly. Thank you. That's the complexity. That's the complexity. That's tricky, man. That is tricky. One of life's most prevalent paradoxes that I often note is a closet full of clothes, but nothing to wear. But people who say that about their closet haven't shopped at Quince. I'll put my money on that. Quince is my, and soon to be your, go-to for high quality yet affordable luxury essentials from organic cotton to washable silk and sparkling jewelry. I am currently obsessed with all of their belt bags. Do you know this? They're the kind of bags that you can sling over the front of you, the kind that are actually like attached to a belt around your waist. And there's even like nylon ones that I've bought. They are under 30 bucks and they are really good for active wear and also hands-free. This is what I'm talking about. The new bag of the future is hands-free and they are super inexpensive at Quince. 
Love them. Check them out. The best part is Quince works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, which not only helps us trust the quality and origin of the pieces, but also cuts out unnecessary extra costs and allows us to bask in the savings. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash hard things for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash hard things to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash hard things. I love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places. It makes me feel free and like I can get my stuff done while being where I want to be. So I can take video calls from the park or download podcasts to listen to while I walk Seamus. And working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile's. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. So you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need. They also cover more highway miles with 5G than anyone else. You can stream and download your favorite entertainment, check hotel reviews, and make restaurant reservations. And with all that coverage, you can stay connected to the people you care about most. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds, according to analysis by Ookla of Speedtest Intelligence Data Q3 2023. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Autumn, do you know the answer to, or an answer to what Adrian was just talking about? Because I want someone to tell me... <laughs> About the answer, the like, I love you, queer person. I love you, trans person. I love you, black person. And these are the decisions I'm making politically, which I had always just been like, well, that's bullshit. That's That's not not love. love. That's something different. Oh, mm -hmm. but then I'm listening to you with the wise mind, and I'm like, maybe I don't know shit. And maybe it's the same thing as the parents. It's like, you love me so much, but you did this thing. You love me so much, but this happened. Is that the same construct as the like, I love you, but I vote? Like, what is happening there? Tell us, Otto. <laughs> I love you, but I vote. I mean, this to me, this is these juicy questions. This is where I love to live. First of all, I just want to say that. I love being out here on the edge. Happy to be confused with you all. It's like, oh, we're all right out on the edge Mm -hmm. of our own thinking right now. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is where I've been spending a lot of time in the last year is just being on the outer edge of my own thinking, being like, I don't know, maybe this. It could be this. (laughs) Again, for me, this is where where fugitive practice comes from. Mm -hmm. The fugitive from the plantation doesn't know what's uh, beyond the border. Mm. All they know is they have to get out. And so they go off into the forest knowing that like that could be more dangerous, but probably better than to continue being enslaved. So I like being in the borderland on the edges because to me, it comes down to this. The question is also kind of like, well, what do I actually believe the human heart is capable of? If I can hold the the nuance and complexity that, yeah, we're capable of feeling incredible love, incredible grief, incredible joy. I really believe that joy and grief are actually the same mm. emotion. We can feel all of that and also still act against our own highest good. 
it leads me to some interesting places in terms of what do I think a human is? Because mm. when we do things like that, it's like when we're like, we love, we love, and then we kill. Mm-hmm. Then oftentimes what, um, what initially comes up inside of us is like, that's so inhumane. You know, what's happening in Gaza right now is it's so abhorrent and it's so hard to understand. And it, and I think it breaches our, our sensibility of what humans are capable of. Mm-hmm. And yet, this is also humanity. It's not not humanity. Mm-hmm. Cyclical, too. It's a cyclical humanity. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And we exist inside of a lot of dissociation and confusion. And that dissociation and confusion that we experience on a daily basis, in our relationships, inside of ourselves, inside of our families. I think that that's all strategic. You know, like it's very strategic for these systems for us to feel confused, for us to feel dissociated, for us to not fully feel what we feel. Because the more confused we are, the more dissociated we are, the more at odds we are with ourselves, mm-hmm. the, the less we can act. You know, the less easily we can act in alignment with what we believe. And so that question you asked of like, yeah, how is it that someone can love and then vote in this way that's so obviously counter to a love ethic? That to me, it's dissociation, mm-hmm. you know, that mm-hmm. it fundamentally, it like, like any behavior where you're acting against, you're acting against your stated beliefs or you're acting against your own best interests or the best interests of your family or the best interests of your community. You can only do that if like there's some internal like cracking that's happened where parts of yourself are not making contact. Mm -hmm. And that dissociation is very, it's such an effective tool of systems of dominance and supremacy. Mm -hmm. All, All systems of dominance and supremacy use that tool. That's right. I've been thinking about that too. It's like the demonic energy. I don't think there's like demons. I think there's a demonic energy that shows up as this kind of foggy, numbing, confusing, enforced inhumanity, right? That it's like, I'm going to create a condition where even your story of yourself doesn't make sense. Because I think that that happens so often where you're listening politically to someone and I'm like, what you're saying doesn't make any sense to me. Like you're telling me that you are a Bible thumping Christian. And so thou shalt not kill is the top thing on the list of things that you should not be okay with ever, period. It doesn't say thou shalt not kill, except for these little clauses. It just says, don't, don't do it, (laughs) right? Who? Um, Thou. Yeah. Who? Who? Thou. Thou shalt not. Say it with me, who? Thou (laughs) shall what? Shall not. Shall not and shall never, right? And it's so interesting because I'm like, it doesn't say thou shalt not fornicate with your girlfriend. It says thou shalt not kill, but you are killing to keep me from fornicating with my girlfriend. It literally doesn't make sense, right? Mm -hmm. And I think I've been thinking about this a lot lately that I'm like, if you're telling me a story and it doesn't add up, then I feel like there's a demonic energy afoot. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, who benefits from you being so confused? Mm -hmm. Who benefits from you being so confused? And I think in this Mm -hmm. time, so many people are benefiting from our mass confusion, our lack of critical thinking skills that were not developed 
you know, like we're really in a, in an interesting bind right now where I think relationship is the only thing that's going to pull us Mm. through. It's not a meme or a graphic or saying the right thing on social media. That's what you're saying. It's not that. Damn. I don't think that we're going to be able to do it through social media. (laughs) I think what Autumn, I think, you know, that practice of fugitivity that you talk about when you talk about Autumn, what I think about is like, who would have to show up and be like, you are enslaved and I know a way to freedom that I would trust Mm. to be like, oh, you're saying everything around me that feels normal and safe to me, even though it's it's scary, but I, I have survived it thus far. You're saying it's worth it to leave this condition and go with you. And what we're saying to white people all the time is like, the the thing that you think is great where you have this like superiority complex, it's not great. That's why everyone's depressed. That's why everyone's killing each other. That's why no one ever feels secure. It's not actually working. It hasn't yeah. worked. It's Zionism not, it's not is good not for working. You. This thing is not working. Any system that's like we are superior in some way and we deserve more literally is at odds with this the whole species surviving. Mm-hmm. So the sooner we can get you to leave that, come out here into the wild land where we don't know what we do if no one's superior. <laughs> we don't and we also know don't yet. know how to grow collard greens, but we'll learn. <laughs> I bet we all have to learn how to grow collard greens, though. I bet that that's actually a part of it. Probably. Or like grow something. Like I'm trying to be like, can I just grow this aloe? Is that the movement? You two over and over again, you are the movement. We are part of the movement. We are the movement. What is the movement? Where are we moving to? Hmm. Well, we're leaving the plantation and we're going into the forest and we don't have a map of the forest. That's Mm -hmm. where we're moving to. That's why it's so scary. That's why it's so scary. Mm -hmm. But we've heard stories. We've heard stories, some from the past, some from the future. So we know that there's some islands. We know that there's water. We think that there might actually be other people who are already free. And so we have to go find them. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot we don't know. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'll follow you too. (laughs) (laughs) And I think we have um, leaders. I love what you talked about with like, when your kids start coming back and being like, I know more now than you do. And I remember that when your eldest sat me down and was just like, I'm going to give you a lecture about communism. And I'm like, me, you're going to tell me about it. And then they did. And I was like, damn, you're right. I <laughs> you literally had know. done more research than the I was rest like, of us wow, combined. I was like, wow, you read more books. I took, a, I took several classes. I've been, you know, living my life. There's just this beautiful moment about like youth shall lead us. Yes. Indigenous peoples shall lead us. The earth itself shall lead us. Mm -hmm. And if we can listen to any one of those three, we can head in the right direction. So true. Mm -hmm. I love you both. Thank you for this hour. I think seriously, we got to one of our questions for you. Awesome. Well done. I mean, I knew that our sibling relationship is going to be like, we might have to do an annual gathering or something. Oh, please. Because I don't feel like there's a lot of people out there who are sister pairs or sibling pairs doing a podcast that is all about revealing as much as we can about what it means to be a human being mm-hmm. in this time. It's so exciting for me to know that y'all exist and that you're covering the pod squad and that you have your folks and 
it's so exciting for me that we exist and we've got our, you know, I do think there's something about siblingship and me about too. the, the, the honesty and the love and the, like, just, we're going to be in this for the rest of our lives mm-hmm. <laughs> of mm-hmm. siblingship that is actually a part of the medicine that we all need right now. Mm. So it's so good to get so to true. sibling with y'all. Let's keep yeah, doing what it. Yeah, what magic. What a gift to be here with you guys. It's wild. Every it's minute great. has been magical. I, feel, I really want to thank you for this hour. My head is flooded and I can't wait to just go digest it all. And I really mm. appreciate what, Adrian, what you're saying about not giving up on our people. and. Autumn, what you were saying about my mom would always step in for my dignity Mm. and would I step in for hers and about the dissociation, how, how we don't make any sense and aren't acting in alignment with our values when we dissociate from ourselves Mm. and like you're refusing to follow the world's pressure and disassociate from your mother. Mm-hmm. is keeping that unity of you too, saying, I'm not going to make this real tidy for you world. Like, but this mm-hmm. is the, <laughs> this is my truth. Mm-hmm. And y'all work out your confusion on your own. That is so beautiful. I'm just, thank you. For it's all the that. answer. I'm going to be thinking about it for a long time. I also feel like family is the antidote to policing. If, if that makes sense. Like what, uh, so much of what you're talking about is that people are going around and they're policing how yes. everyone else navigates their relationships, their family, their identity, their actions. Policing has gotten so deeply ingrained in, in the West and especially in the U S so mm-hmm. that we're constantly walking around either policing or being policed by others and thinking that that's a normal interaction, mm-hmm. that it's normal that someone would be like, you need to drop your mama. What are you talking about? My mother? <laughs> my mother? <laughs> I need to navigate my relationship with anyone in my life based on what a stranger interprets the circumstance to be? Mm-hmm. That is policing. Mm-hmm. That's policing. Mm-hmm. And so my job is to love in this lifetime, I'm trying to love as many people as I can, as deeply as I can. That's my work. And when you love people, you don't need to police them. Mm. You hold them in relationship and you change together. And that's what always happens. And sometimes you're changing in the direction of the good. And sometimes you're backsliding in the direction of things that cause harm. But like, it's my life. I've got to live my own life the whole way through. The whole way through is how you do it. To the end. It's all, it's mine and I've got to live it. And I've got to be accountable and I've got to find out who makes sense for me to be accountable to. And one of those people is my mom. The other is my dad and my sisters. Like they're always with me and they don't care what anyone else thinks about me. They care how I treat them. My parents, <laughs> the, the biggest changes that I've made in my life have come because my family was like, we want you to be more present. We want to feel you more. We want to see you more. We want to know you more. Like if you're out there struggling with your food, we want to know if you're feeling suicidal, we want to know like that has actually changed me much more than any external pressure from anywhere else. Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, these people love me and they're in this for life. Now I know we're lucky. We have Mm -hmm. a family that is dedicated to doing this, but I think we're also a model that other families can look to. That's why we're telling the story of it. That it's like, I think you're giving your family for a reason. I think there's things only your family unit can heal. I think only you and your family know what they are. And Mm. that shouldn't be something that someone's blasting in from outside. But 
the youth will tell you the youngest people in your family are the ones who will come back and be like, Hey family, here's the next piece of work for us to do. Their children will reach them. Just like all these leaders, you see all these people's children who are coming out and being like, I don't support what my Senator dad is doing. Like it's Mm -hmm. the Jewish young people are leading all these actions. Youth. I'm telling you, I have so much faith in what kids can do and what young people can do. Mm-hmm. And that's also a big reason why I'm like, ceasefire, ceasefire, because all these children, we need them. Yeah. 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 We, can't kids. Kids. we need all of the mm-hmm. kids. They're the ones who take us to, into the future. Right. So. And that anyway. spirit is different mm. though. That spirit that you're it's talking so different. about, I bring to you my gift to this family yes. is to come bring tidings of great joy, which is that <laughs> yes. there is betterness for us better. as opposed to I have a tendency to mix the policing with the family which is it is my job <laughs> to defend my humanity by policing the shit out of you people exactly and telling you exactly. what you did instead I'm gonna of tell saying you, like, I get to change the culture of our family I get yes. to change the culture of our family to being one where we ask questions I get to change the culture of our family to one where we have hard conversations and we don't have to have them all the time right Cause I do know there's people in my family who like, I don't know, for some weird reason, don't like talking politics all the time. Weird. Weirdos. My 10 year old being one of the ones. Literally every time we're sitting down and she's like, are we going to talk politics? Oh, face regimen to take care of people. She's like, I'm going to get my face together and play Monopoly. And I'm like, oh no. Monopoly. (laughs) Watch out. But then we just have to love her through this so that it can be a phase and not not something she has to rigidly like. I will tell you, I have no doubt about where she will land. (laughs) And I think that she is, I think she will make a great manager of the revolution. Mm. Okay, great. I, I kind of, she's got, already she's got big CEO energy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she does. She's like, she needs to be a CEO for freedom. I think Adrian, you know this, my call for ceasefire that I did on the interwebs yeah. was a direct result of watching my baby and their friends Wow. and the work they're doing and their Palestinian friends, their Jewish friends, what they're risking. It's just what they're doing together in their little groups, what they're doing with their families, what they're doing out in the world. It was family. Yeah. It was family. Oh, I love hearing that. And it was backwards. It was them. It was, and it wasn't policing. It was, it was nothing, none of that. It was learning what they know. Yeah. And watching what they do and being so Oh yeah, of course. That's the way. Right. 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 Yeah. It's that deep moment. How dare any of us think that we are taking a risk by saying the truth. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's amazing. That's the privilege of the young people, but being young enough to be like, I'm adaptable and flexible. I can make the change. If you want to rescind the offer you made to me because I speak up on behalf of not killing kids, then that's okay. Mm -hmm. I want a job where I can do that. And by doing that, your kid and all these other kids change the culture so that free speech is actually a real thing that can happen. Mm -hmm. And so that never again means something. And all these things, these are cultural shifts we're inside of. And the people I feel the hardest for are the ones who are like, resisting it, like going rigid in the face of the cultural Mm -hmm. shift. Mm -hmm. Like that's where you end up with the most painful things inside of a family or inside of a society. So it's always inviting that, that softening, like Mm -hmm. you softened when you saw your child Mm -hmm. standing up for something, you were like, I'm going to soften and move towards it and I'm going to let it reshape me. 
That's so beautiful. It's beautiful. Good job, mama. I love you too so yeah. much. And also next time we, we talk, I want to talk to you guys about how you love each other, but also differentiate because I haven't nailed that yet. We're, yeah. we're, we've, we're actively we're working, working on, on this and I'd be so excited to talk about it. Okay, good. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, part we two. can do part okay, two. Perfect. I mean, I will say the quickest thing is as the older sister, just to know that the person is another person. Okay, so that's, I need you yeah, to start before that. Yeah, that's going to require about an hour <laughs> of conversation. That's too advanced. That's <laughs> end. Okay. God, God, way to start, start with the varsity shit. I pushed you into the deep end. Let's okay, get, never mind. Let's we'll get just to do that the next at the time. end. We'll do it next time. Okay. But I will just say it's blowing my mind that I'm like, wow, you're just a different person. <laughs> like, not influenced by me. No, I don't understand. I am influenced. No, but there's things you do now that I'm like, oh, you just did that like completely that was, without you. That was completely without. Like, she just was like, <laughs> I'm doing my my album release party, and I'm like, just with other people. <laughs> 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 Intriguing. <laughs> proud of you. I'm proud of you. I'm happy for you. Uh, but intriguing I'm like, and a little oh, I aggressive. thank you. I thank you for your aggressive. support. I know that you love me. She knows that I love it her. It was so nice like, to meet you both. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. <laughs> You're the best. Okay. We love You're you. She, she knows it's time to end. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go pick up my child. Who's no, you go get your daughter. <laughs> I'm going to text her to comfort her until you get to her. Okay, Pod Squad. We love you. We've just remembered you were Oh my gosh. <laughs> we love y'all. See you next Bye, time. Bye. Bye. Thank you. If this podcast means something to you, it would mean so much to us if you'd be willing to take 30 seconds to do these three things. First, can you please follow or subscribe to We Can Do Hard Things? Following the pod helps you because you'll never miss an episode and it helps us because you'll never miss an episode. To do this, just go to the We Can Do Hard Things show page on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and then just tap the plus sign in the upper right-hand corner or click on follow. This is the most important thing for the pod. While you're there, if you'd be willing to give us a five-star rating and review and share an episode you loved with a friend, we would be so grateful. We appreciate you very much. We Can Do Hard Things is produced in partnership with Cadence 13 Studios. holiday season may be at its end. Thank you, baby Jesus. But the opportunities for giving amazing life-changing gifts have just begun. And yes, diapers are a life-changing gift. Imagine your first-time parent struggling with time management and financial burdens. Don't really have to imagine. I remember it directly. And all the challenges of your first child. And then you get a huge shipment of diapers funded by all your family and friends. That's a good feeling. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's exactly what Pampers is doing with their diaper stash. I love this so much. It's an online diaper fund. So you can contribute to a diaper stockpile and help ensure it never runs out. And one of the most difficult things about buying diapers for others is making sure that you guess the right 
fits and sizes. And with Pampers Diaper Fund, all that guesswork goes away. So if there's a new parent or expecting parent in your life, you will be making their lives a lot easier and showing them how many people are excited for their huge milestone. Organizing a diaper stash is easy. Go to diaperstash.pampers.com to set up a fund and give the ultimate group gift. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. 